1: It's time to turn out the lights, grab some popcorn, and watch some horror movies. This is the Terrible Terror Podcast. Each episode, I delve into the world of horror movies. Why do I do it? Well, I can't really explain it, but I love these horrifying flicks. If you've made your own horror movie on your phone, or made your own special effects MacGyver style, please send it my way. Now, what do you get when you mix ninjas, Christianity, hookers, and dinosaurs? Why, well, you get the Velocipastor. Everybody and welcome to another episode of the Terrible Terror podcast. I am back this week. It is just me in the helm uh, for a brand new episode here, and what a better way to start off the month of love than with dinosaurs? That's right. So for all this month, we're going to do two dino-based films, and this film I have been wanting to see forever. Like, ever since I saw the first trailer for it, that was introduced to me by the guys over there in the Do You Love Horror group on Facebook, um, who's moderated by Alex, who's the, you know, head behind uh, Beyond the Void horror podcast. I believe that he might even been the one that uh, even put the trailer up there. So after seeing that, I was like, automatically got to see it. Now, what I didn't know is that this actually was a short film like a grindhouse trailer that was made back in like 2011 that got a lot of notoriety around the internet and finally director brian steer he finally decided look i'm just gonna make the thing a full-fledged fucking movie and he did and man um i had a lot of fun watching this movie i'm not gonna lie i'm gonna say that straight up and this is one of those occasions where it's I don't know if it's going to be for everybody, but I feel like you got to watch it. Like you should watch this before you listen to the podcast. One it's on Amazon prime. So if you have Amazon prime and it might be on other streaming services in other places, I'm not sure, but it is available for you. And it is only an hour and 10 minutes ish. Uh, it's probably a little bit shorter. So it's a really quick watch and it's worth your time to sit back, relax and enjoy the movie. Um, Especially like the way that I watched it. I wish I had actually just kind of watched it all the way through and then not did it the way that I normally do things. But, you know, it is it is what it is. Uh, but I definitely think that you should watch it. Because some of this stuff is visual. And I'm going to say this right off the top of the podcast. That there are some clips in here that include uh, either Mandarin, Cantonese, or uh, fake Chinese. <laughs> ...in it, or, you know, it's one of those things where I really wrestled with even including the clips in this episode, but there is, like, enough to go on that you could kind of make out what's going on without it necessarily having to watch the movie, and it's one of those things why I've always wrestled with doing, like, a Japanese horror, there are a lot of movies I would love to do for this podcast... Both of the battle royales come to mind, but because they're not in English, it doesn't make much sense for me to put this out there to a primarily English listening audience and not saying that you don't understand the other languages that I could possibly use. Hell, I'm still not sure what's going to be going on uh, with me just listening back, to be honest with you, for a lot of these things. But I feel with the format that I use right now, it would make it very difficult for the people that enjoy the way I do the podcast, and like I said, even the way that, for me, the way that I do the podcast. So maybe one of these times, I'll just talk about the films, and maybe I'll just bring one in, and there just won't be a clip-type thing. Or maybe I'm going to go on a fantastic voyage or something like that. Maybe because I'm like prehistoric world, I'm going to be like a Basil Rathenborn and I'm going to fight dinosaurs one of these times, but you're not going to be able to understand what's going on because it's going to be in space and it's going to be in a foreign language and we're just going to talk about it. So who knows? Who knows what I'm going to do when it comes to that? But for this film in particular and the clips that are used, some of it will be in either, I'm not sure if it's Mandarin or Cantonese, but at the same time, like I said before, I also don't know if it's just made-up Chinese. Like, it's that terrible in that regard. Uh, But we'll find out together. Or if somebody that does understand Mandarin or Cantonese and can tell me if it's real, I'm pretty sure that it's spot-on in some ways. Uh, With some words being kind of like, maybe not. I don't know. Uh, Like I said, it might be a borderline suspect. But for the most part, I feel like everything Like, makes sense. And I'll try to explain what's gone on in the scene and kind of, like, what they're talking about. I just feel like some things are so ridiculous, especially what goes on with a couple characters in those scenes, that it's worth playing the scene for you, even if you can't understand the full scene. There was one that was really long, and I was like, oh, this would be great. But at the same time, it turned out to be a lot more of the guy talking in Mandarin than English, so I ended up just truncating it down to the last portion where there's a little bit of double speak so that you could kind of see what was going on i guess if somebody was too fucking lazy to read the fucking subtitles then uh they can understand what's kind of going on in that scene so the velocipaster itself um this is something that uh like i said last podcast i've been talking with neil uh for quite a while we both actually been reaching out to see if we could get an early screener Uh, didn't really pan out that way, but I'm glad that it's on a streaming service and I'm glad that I was finally able to see this film to do it for this podcast. So, um, without further ado and spending a whole lot of time in front of it, one of the things I will say is that I guess in one of the releases, and I don't really notice it here, but the director, Brian Steer, actually took the film and like damaged it to give it like an old time, like grindhouse type of look to the actual film. But it's weird. I don't really notice that in the, <laughs> the final production here. At least the digital copy. Like if you're watching the film. Probably in a theater somewhere. Which I w- really wish I could have. We'd probably have that type of experience. But you see it on a couple little things in those areas. And there's a couple things <laughs> that we are going to talk. I'm already thinking about things man. That are going to go on this movie. But um, that's one of the things that like, I felt like. I missed out by watching it digitally versus watching the actual film reel or didn't really transfer over to a digital medium. I wish that maybe he could have done something like that it would have been great. But at the same time, um, it's a perfectly fine film to watch over, you know, like I said, that 70 minute mark uh, in, on a weekend or weekday or whenever you're going to plan to watch it. So let's go ahead and... And jump to the thing. Now, one of the first things that you see right away that comes up on the screen is this: that that it's rated X, and it's rated X by Christians because they supposedly hate the movie. And that's where we fade into a church, and we get to learn about the tragic beginnings of Father Doug over here as we watch him give a little bit of a sermon, and then some tragedy strike him.
2: This is the greatest point we can learn from his word in the Book of Job. Though we all suffer, it is the righteous who will persevere. And to believe in God is the greatest gift any of us can have. May my enemy be like the wicked. May my opponent be like the unrighteous. Amen. Thank you, and God bless.
3: Mom and Dad!
0: Parents died, Doug. It's what parents do. They die on you. They're in a better place. Pache, Rekwinesco. I just don't know what to believe anymore,
2: Father Stewart. Why would God? Why would God? It's not our place
0: to ask. Just know that God has a plan for us all. Everything happens for a reason. Here, drink some more wine.
2: I'm starting to question my faith.
0: It's because your world has changed. You should travel, Doug. Discover how others live. I think it'll do you good. Travel. But to where? Go where you think God will not follow. If you find him there, then you'll know he's within you. Where God will not follow.
1: Okay, so there's a couple major things that are going on here that are very visual jokes. Right away, you can tell this movie is not going to take itself seriously at all. And it starts off relatively serious to be honest with you, because he's there, he's giving his little sermon, everything looks great, and then all of a sudden the moment he steps outside, the music gets fucking cheery as shit. So it's like da da, 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 da da and like I'm walking down and the fucking price is right. My name just got called down and I'm gonna come there and hopefully win myself a fucking car because that's the only thing worth fucking winning. Except for playing fucking Plinko man. If you can play Plinko it'd be fucking fantastic. In fact I need to build my own Plinko machine just so I can play it around here. I can drop the little things down. the go, de-de-de-de-de. anyway, I digress with this whole, whole price is right thing. But nonetheless, it's like super cheery and wonderful. And he's like, mom and dad, they're like outside and everything's great. And they're standing there and they're waving to him, obviously in front of a green screen. Like it's terrible how awful everything looks on the outside. Uh, and It really looks like they're behind something. And then all of a sudden it's like, It turns over to him. He's all happy. It goes back to them, and it goes back to him, and then you hear the explosion happen. And then when it cuts over to them to see the explosion and everything that's gone on, it says, insert VFX here. And it's just terrible. Like, what? So automatically, I know the movie is totally not going to take itself seriously when it's going to miss the visual effects of just a car on fire. Like, they could have just easily put any type of car that was on fire, go into the Getty image database, find a gif of a car on fire and shittily put it in there. Like I could do it. I could use some stupid iPhone editing app and stick a car on fire in one little part, use a little mixer, blend it a little bit. Everything will be good. But no, they did it on purpose. I totally get that, and I laughed my ass off when I saw it for the first time. And then it goes back over to Doug, and Doug is still crying. Then <laughs> it cuts back over, and there's still it's in a fucking car there, and it still says "insert VFX here," and the music is going on, and it's so sad. And then he's talking to his fellow priest, who fucking tells him parents die all the time it's like how fucked up are you especially the way that you act later on in the film it's like oh well you know god works in mysterious ways it's just bound to happen your fucking parents gonna die that's just what parents do it's like saying that gravestones are just life's participation trophies like you're gonna get one regardless possible like Unless you fucking die in an ocean or some shit, then they're going to just throw the fucking thing into the water and you're going to be eaten by giant fucking, you know, crab monsters or some shit. It's ridiculous. Like, even then, like in your moment of need, you're going to go to a priest and the priest is just going to be like, well, fuck, parents just fucking die all the time. You know, <laughs> fucking man up, fucking deal with it. It's God's way. This is what God wants. And something he says later pisses me off that he's saying that right fucking now. But we'll get into that as we get into that. So, of course, Doug, totally distraught, doesn't know what he wants to do. And then he takes the advice and he decides to go to the place that God possibly couldn't be to see if he could find God there. And where does he go? He goes to fucking China. That's where he goes. So God... Isn't in fucking China according to Doug here. (laughs) It just says China big on the screen in yellow fucking letters and it's fantastic and it's just a random like forest like it's not a bamboo forest or it's not like a Japanese garden so that way you'd be like oh well at least they got the Asian thing right no it's just like if I went over to Muir Woods over here and I went to an area where there weren't so many fucking redwoods and there were just fucking trees and that's it like I could have filmed this in California that ain't fucking China in fact I think that's upstate New York somewhere because I think the whole thing is fucking filmed in new york or possibly in some other maybe it was filmed in chicago or some shit like that and i probably could look that up and probably give you an answer but you know what i'm gonna believe it's one of those two places but it literally is just a fucking random forest with really like thin trees all over the place and that's where we're expected to be and that's what we're expected to believe that we've gone into fucking china so he's there walking around in his really skin tight fucking tank top that he wears throughout the fucking movie, and his fucking tight ass fucking jeans showing off that man bun not not the bun on the top but the one on the bottom uh and he looks like a like younger Zachary Kinto, that's the only person like I thought Chris Pine at first, and I can see that a little bit or he kind of looks you know in some ways a little bit like my friend David. But not quite. Uh, it, as the movie went and as I did it again, the actor that plays Doug really kind of looks like a different version of Zachary Kinto. Like if Zachary Kinto and fucking, uh, you know, so if Kirk and Spock had a baby, the newer ones, this would be Doug. That's what would happen. Like, I don't want to imagine that, them actually getting together and making a baby. But I'm sure that somebody would... Just not sure who it would be. But nonetheless, so he's out there in China, in the woods, trying to find himself. And we cut over and we see a ninja is running after this poor girl. And he's dressed all in black. And she's dressed all in white. And that's the first, like, record scratch that I've got. And that's the... uh, Wait a second. We're in China. And there are ninjas? I don't remember ninjas being Chinese pretty sure they're only japanese like there are like kung fu people and and i know this is probably going to sound terrible of me but let's just say martial artists rather than just kung fu people because then everybody would be kung fu fighting and that's just not true cuz more people have fists faster than lightning than just people that practice kung fu right um so it's just some martial arts people like assassin martial arts people that are, like, chasing after each other. It's it's one person versus the other, but he obviously is meant to be a ninja. But, again, I don't remember any Chinese ninjas from fucking history yet. They're primarily Japanese. And so, already, a little bit of a strike against you movie, but I'll allow it. Because I already find this movie fucking hilarious. Just from the first, like, ten minutes that we've already watched this fucking movie. So... She's running away, and she ends up getting shot with the arrow, and the effect is pretty decent when the arrow is shown as outside of her body, and there's a little blood that comes out, and I'm like, okay, I'm down with this. That's pretty good, because this definitely is a low-budget movie, and we get a good effect like that. You know, the guy fires it and comes through. Looks great. Um, and so she collapses right in front of him and basically starts dying the, right there. And he asks what she has well what if she's okay. And this is one of those scenes where I'm gonna explain what's going on in you know English once we've listened to the scene.
2: Oh my god! Are you hurt? Oh. You you want me to take it?
4: How well, I don't need
2: <laughs> I I don't understand.
1: Dragon the Dragon Warrior... At this part of the world, at this specific time, in this specific place, with this specific person, you're expecting the Dragon Warrior to all of a sudden be there, or whatever the myth is that's going on, to be at this particular moment? Doug is fucking lucky. So what she actually says to him is that he needs to destroy it. But we don't know what it is. And it could possibly be the giant dragon tooth or dinosaur tooth or whale tooth or saber tooth tiger tooth or whatever fucking tooth it is. It's just fucking big. But of course, since Doug doesn't understand the fucking language because he decided to go to China of all fucking places to find God, he totally misunderstands her in that, oh, I should just take this and then run away. But she's really, like, saying, I guess, destroy this artifact. Uh, and I think she says something about they're going to come after you or some shit like that. I-, I can't quite remember. It might just be destroy destroy it, and then Dragon Warrior. Well, he goes and he, the guy's going to, like, fire upon him. And he manages not to get hit with the arrow, but he cuts himself with the tooth. And then all of a sudden, he starts feeling strange. The screen goes weird. And then he wakes up, like... Basically what feels like the next day, having the dream of running into the Asian girl with Pastor uh, What's-His-Face, uh, your parents are dead, uh, basically coming in to check on him. The dream again?
0: The very same. And the pain in my hand. The disease from your travels, no doubt. Something stuck on this artifact you cut your hand with no wonder this haunts your dreams. What did that Chinese say? Dragon warrior? Something like that. How Eastern? Here's food if you're hungry. I am hungry. Good. Feed a fever, starve a cold. I'm sure you'll forget all about China soon. Bye.
2: hungry
1: i need air i
2: have
1: to get out so father your parents are dead is kind of a fucking dick because the automatic like he's like must have been that you know disease that you got while you were in that other country and then he's what did the chinese say okay what did the chinese say one it was a lady you could just call her what did the girl say You know, I get it. Maybe I'm being sensitive or something by here, and I'll probably give fucking shit for it. But honestly, what did the Chinese say? That's pretty fucking terrible. And then it automatically, well, it's that disease that you got in your hand. He looks like he's perfectly fine. He's a little sweaty. You know, he didn't get anything bad. He fucking cut himself on a piece of fucking rock for all he knows. And he looks like he's fine, but he's like, I'm hungry. So he has to leave, and he has to basically... I guess satiate the hunger, even though he's got food right in front of him. So he runs outside, and as he's running out there, he runs into our next character, Carol. And Carol is the streetwalker. And let's learn a little bit more about Carol's type of business while also meeting Frankie the Mermaid. And why do they call him Frankie the Mermaid anyway?
4: I'm lit up right and hot to trap where you want me tonight, to Dario. Carol, hello. Oh! God damn you, Carol! How many fucking times I have to tell you not to question what I do? Now what's my name? Frankie Mermaid. And why is my name Frankie Mermaid? Speak up, Carol! somebody I'm gonna give you the fucking boot! Cause you're swimming in bitches. You're goddamn right. You're goddamn right. Now where you gonna trick tonight? The park. That's right, Baba. The park. Cause that's where the real money's at. And you are the real money. (laughs) Yo! Jerry! If you stuff dicks in your mouth like you're doing that sandwich, I'd be a fucking millionaire by now!
1: (laughs) I'm sorry. He's, it's so fucking stupid. But that line fucking kills me. It's the third fucking time I've heard that fucking line. And it still is fucking kill me. Why do they call him Frankie the Mermaid? Because he's swimming in bitches. It's so fucking terrible. And then even at the end, if you stop dicks in your mouth the way you stuck sandwiches in it i'd be a fucking millionaire this guy is fucking hilarious uh i that little character that small character it it's just it's stupid it's so fucking stupid and the character is so fucking stupid but they ham it up in just the right way and it's one of the reasons why i really like The way things go in this film. It's fucking stupid fucking dialogue. And it's stupid fucking dialogue throughout the fucking movie. I mean, again, you know, father, your parents are dead over here. But that's what parents do. It's stupid dialogue. But the way that it's delivered is so goddamn funny. And actually, probably the the father, you know, your parents are dead guy. That's probably the guy that I feel like does the best job in this film under his role. And there is somebody else, I think, that does a good job at being over the top. But I feel that's the way that guy is. And we'll talk about it when we come up to him. If And if you know him, you know him. And you don't, you don't. And to me, I do know who the guy is. But we'll talk about it in a bit. I don't want to ruin it just yet. But, like, even Doug. Doug, who is pretty terrible. And you can look at the way... In the, well... I guess, listen to the way that he's delivering his lines. And it feels like it's cheesy and he's just maybe not acting quite the way. But honestly, he's acting those lines perfectly for what the role calls for. And Carol is another person that does the same thing. Like, even when she comes up, like, it's like, oh my god, this is so fucking ridiculous. But she plays it perfectly. Like, she knows that this is basically a ridiculous role, it's a ridiculous film, and they're all just having fucking fun. And Frankie the fucking mermaid, the actor that plays him, honestly is probably one of the ones that has the most fun because he's got some of the greatest fucking lines in this movie. It's just fantastic. Even, like, setting up to it. Like, the walk-up and the, the guy that, like, talks to her after she gives this homeless guy a little bit of her money, which you can tell she's a hooker with a heart of gold because of that, right? One day she's going to be pretty woman. Richard Geard's going to come into town, sweep her off her feet, make sure that she gets a nice life, and then fucking leave her on the side of the road because he ain't going to date no fucking prostitute. No way, no how. And that's the way it should have ended with fucking Julia Roberts and her fucking Muppet-ass head. But nonetheless, <laughs> he's... You know, the way he reacts to her and the way that she reacts, it's cheesy, but it's so much fun at the same time. So she's basically going to have to go to the park at night because that's where Frank the Mermaid says she's going to get his money because bitch better have his money. And while she's at the park and she's roaming around, which looks surprisingly just like fucking China, let me add, right? With a path instead of it just being kind of the middle of everywhere, but China and wherever this fucking park is are in the exact same place, or they just happen to be twinsies. So she ends up getting held up by a guy that is really like ridiculously over the top in wanting her money. And she tells him, look, you give me the money. That's how I get the money. And he doesn't believe it. So he wants her to take him to where the money is. She's like, well, then you'll be dead. And he's like, that'll make two of us. And so all of a sudden out of the middle of nowhere, Something grabs him and you get your first shot at just the head of the velocipaster. That's right. He went out into the, the world and he is already transformed and he didn't know that he transformed. And oh my God, is it everything I wanted it to fucking be. Like it is, it is terrible. I mean, terrible to the point that, oh my God, I fucking love it at the same time. Like, you only get a small glimpse of when he first attacks the guy. And it looks like he's fucking chopping the shit out of him. But he doesn't do a whole lot of damage to him, honestly. Well, I mean, I guess with a head constructed like that, can't do a whole lot of damage. But he does manage to, like, you know, go after him. And what his drives me crazy is he has... The robber has the gun. And he fires a gun at the velocipaster, right? But then, instead of, like, having a clip... That just fucking loads the next bullet and fire, fire, fire until you're done with the clip. No, he's got to cock back the gun every time he's going to fucking shoot. Like, you're that fucking poor. One, you're robbing broke-ass fucking hoes on the street that don't have any money unless they get money first. And then, two, you got a gun that you got to fucking cock every time you want to load it. You know, it's not like it's a fucking revolver and you gotta like turn the barrel or some shit like that. No, you fire, cock, fire, cock, fire, cock. Rather than just, that sounds really terrible and nobody better fucking isolate those vocals, uh, but he just fucking fire it, you know, and then you load the new clip. It's really ridiculous, but you do get a full headshot and the eyes... <laughs> they they, they are are just terrible (laughs) it's it's like oh god i don't know how to really explain it like Imagine if you were going to put, like, googly eyes on something, but one of the eyes gets stuck in a position like it's, like, almost looking up. Like, it looks like it's way too happy to be fucking killing people than it needs to be. Like, I'm waiting for it just to spin around like a regular googly eye instead of just where it's at. Like, it's like the happy killing, like, pastor dinosaur oh man it it's great i fucking i fucking love it and I applaud the guys of this film, so he's killed the poor robber, and the next morning he wakes up in an unsuspecting bedroom uh which happens to be uh the room or I guess maybe it's the apartment of Carol hello my child
0: Carol
2: doug last night. Oh, I see. Let me be fair in saying that this can never happen again.
4: So it was just a one-time thing?
2: Yes. Honestly, it never should have happened at all.
4: (laughs) That's for sure.
2: Oh, was it bad?
4: It was weird.
0: Oh. Honestly, it all happened so quickly. I was very scared. I think I even peed myself. Oh.
2: Was it your first time too? Yeah. As I said, I'm a priest, so we can never say. Wait,
4: what are you even talking about?
2: What are you talking about?
0: The time you turned into a dinosaur and
4: ate someone.
0: What? What?
4: What? You don't remember, do you?
2: I remember some sort of nightmare. uh, Lust for the flesh. Must have blacked
0: out. What's the last thing you do remember?
2: Hunger. (laughs) That doesn't matter. I don't believe you. Dinosaurs never existed. And even if they did, I don't transform into
0: one. I can show you the body.
1: Where is it?
2: Do you have anything I can wear?
1: Okay. So what's going on here in this situation? Of course, there's the weird kind of like double entendre and nobody knows exactly what the other one's talking about, where we have like, and I cut off this. She says, sure, by the way, at the end of that. Um, But it's. Like, he thinks that he slept with her. Like, he got so blacked out, he got drunk or something like that. And one of the things I didn't say from the beginning of the movie, when they were drinking the wine, they were drinking it out of the cups that you normally drink the communion wine out of, and they probably were getting wasted on the communion wine as well. Uh, But, like, he had a bender or something as a priest, and then he ended up sleeping with a fucking prostitute, um, which, you know, he doesn't quite know that she's a prostitute yet, but he thought he slept with her. And then she's like, no, like, that's not what it is. And like, surprised that he doesn't realize that he turns into a dinosaur. Would you know if you turned into a dinosaur? Like, you blacked out, and it's obvious that you were knocked the fuck out whenever she took you back, and you didn't have any fucking clothes on. But yet, you know, oh, well, he must know when he goes over there and eats somebody as a fucking dinosaur. It's quite obvious that he doesn't. And it's quite obvious that he's thinking that. He fucking, like, had sex with you. Like, he ate something, and it was that pussy, not some other dude, right? So, it's it's funny at the same time. It's kind of like, okay, a little overplayed, but I'm okay with it. This is fine. It helps the movie move along. And I like the way that the two characters are reacting to each other. I really like the way Doug reacts, because he's still trying to be, like, holier than thou. Oh, my God, I can't believe I did this type of thing. Even though he's kind of, like, wispy over-the-topness. And she straight up is just like amazed and she's so thankful that she got saved. In fact, the, the right after they finish this, he dresses in her finest, like nice orange dress, which manages to like stop just below his balls so you don't see what he's packing underneath there, even though in a later scene... You get to have a look at what he's packing, but not in the way that you think that you would get to have that look. And uh, yeah, so she shows him exactly where the dead body was. And then we find out what we already know about her. But Doug finds out what she does for a living.
2: Oh, Jesus. See, I told you. Why did you cover it with leaves?
4: I don't know. Why do you know what else to do? Firstly, I'm a hooker, and I did not want to be arrested. And secondly, you turned into a dinosaur, and you ate him.
2: You're a hooker?
4: And premed law, but people aren't surprised as much by that one. Oh. You know, it It might sound strange. But I don't think this has to be a bad thing. To touch not thy sinning hands. You
0: saved me! You saved me! My life! All of it! Do you know what he would have done to me? This is the most priestly thing that you've ever done!
4: Look, you guys talk all the time about helping people. This might actually be the first time in your life you can! What? By by killing people? Yes! Bad people! Every
0: drug-dealing murderer that ever walked into your confession! Every rapist or pedophile that, that bragged to you about its crimes and went free!
4: You and I both know that some of those people are beyond help. Look, I know a lot of bad people. You think I like turning tricks to pay for college? There's surprisingly little demand
0: for hooker doctor lawyers.
4: Help me help everyone.
0: Please.
2: No. This
4: madness must stop.
2: Doug, I have
3: to
1: do confessions right now. Yes, right now. I fucking love Doug's reaction on a lot of situations. And here is no exception. It's just like you have to confession. Yes, right now. Come on, we can do this. No, (laughs) like he just doesn't want to do it because he's afraid of what it is. And the fact that she nails it on the head right away where it's like she's like, you know, Well, I'm a hooker for one, and I didn't want to get arrested, and two, you just had turned it from being a dinosaur, and then he's like, you're a hooker? Like, you're still not worried about the whole dinosaur situation? Dude, this is what you did. You mauled this guy to death as a fucking dinosaur, and you're not even like, oh my god, I turned into a fucking dinosaur. What did I do? Oh my god. And like, that's where his clothes went. That's where everything else is, but... He's like, you're a hooker? And then it's, don't fucking touch me because you're fucking Jezebel. Come on, man. W O J D D. But you don't know the full acronym. What would Jesus do, dude? Come on, man. What would he do? Like, he would totally be in the situation, be thankful that he saved this girl. Possibly he's able to turn her from a life of being a fucking hooker because, like she has, some type of pre med pre-med lawyer hooker is not really going to be the way that like (laughs) people are going to be clamoring for like okay dude (laughs) we have this case man all right it's a triple homicide we need somebody on the prosecution (laughs) where are we gonna go to oh well what did the guy do well you see he was a doctor and you know he used his medicine to like you know poisoned the poor lady and then poisoned her husband after he found out that she was having an affair with this doctor okay and then he killed himself by inflating a fucking balloon within his heart okay so we need somebody that knows med or at least pre-med we could get that right all right but then you find out that she was a hooker okay so we need somebody that has knowledge of being a hooker well did you know about that pre-med hooker doctor uh lawyer that's over there Oh shit, there's one of those? Nah, I don't really need that. We'll just get a normal fucking lawyer. Why would you want somebody that's a fucking hooker to herself? I mean, come on. It's it's really fucking ridiculous what's going on here. But the fact of the matter is like, she has the right idea Like, look, you can totally do this stuff. You are something special and you are something righteous. Like, You say that, you know, you're going to help these people and what a better way to help people than fucking kill off the bad guys. And his response is correct as well. In my heart, I feel like that's right because, of course, what would you do? I would probably run the fuck away. I can't believe that this is what I've done, so I'm just going to run off. I need to do my job because there's no possible way that this was done. But he seems like he's running away more because she's a hooker more than anything else. Like, not the fact that he's killed anybody, not the fact that, you know, he can turn to a fucking dinosaur. It's the fact that she's a fucking hooker. So he goes back to the church because he's got to make sure that he does his confessions. And Father, your parents are dead, basically tells him why the fuck are you late, and he doesn't really want to talk about it. He's just like, I've been out, and he's wearing the orange dress, doesn't know why, and he doesn't want to really question why he's wearing the orange dress. All he needs to do is get back into his robes and make sure he does confession. And then who has the first unholy confession? None other than Mr. Mermaid himself.
2: Hello, my child. How long has it been since your last
4: confession? Since I last confessed? Oh, Jesus. Padre, you're gonna make me, ooh, let's see, uh... Oh, it's been about... Two years? There's a lot of ground to cover. (coughs) You can't smoke in here, my son. Listen, Padre. Frankie fucking Mermaid smokes whatever the fuck he wants because his life is on fire! What is it that you would like to confess? Oh jeez, I guess we could cover the last four days? <laughs> Stole candy from this baby. Then I threw the baby in the river. So it couldn't stitch, obviously. Then uh well, I pimp bitches, I do drugs, sell drugs, uh murder people. Uh really, you name it, I have done it, Padre. You you've taken blood? From malice? Malice? Whoa, no, no. More like fun, and business. You know, I got bosses. They tell me to kill people, so I kill people, or I tell other people to kill people. Who was the last that you've slain? Oh, geez, let me see. Ah, Jesus Christ, um. Oh shit, actually, a couple months ago, this fucking old couple, I blew up their car. Hmm. You murdered Oh, actually, it was right in front of this church. Oh my God. Blood, you know, blood everywhere, skin melting, skin boiling. Kind of gave me a hard-on, Padre. Add that to the confession too. You- Oh, actually, you might know of, one of your priest friends comes running out, yelling, Mom, Dad, like it's his fucking parents or something like that. Oh God. God. What else can you see that kind of shit on a Tuesday? You murdered my parents! <laughs> oh, fuck! Oh. Why did you kill them? Him. Oh, It was just ours, Padre. Has there
2: been nothing by it? They were my parents. I'm sorry. Tell me why. Tell me who ordered their deaths.
4: You have no idea how far they Padre. And they got their cause and everything here. I don't know nothing. You might as well just kill me now. Okay.
1: <laughs> okay, again, this is great. This is again, I love Doug in that. <laughs> He's like, you might as well just kill me now. Okay. <laughs> and then he just fucking does it. So F- Frankie the Mermaid here, he went and he just randomly happened to kill the priest's parents underneath somebody else's, like, guidance. Like, basically, he was told to do it and he did it. Why? Honestly, it's never really fucking explained. You don't know if it was, you know, the big baddie of the movie, if they were the ones that ordered this guy to do it. Like... I have an idea, but I don't want to give it away until we get to the part because I believe that's where the film's kind of going with it. But you don't really know because it's truly not explicitly mentioned why that happened. But I do like Frankie here and he's just like, oh, yeah, I did this. I did that. And, you know, it's been a while, but this is what I did just yesterday. And he does like five fucked up things. Maybe four. Oh, who's fucking counting? And then he kills his... You know, he told him, says, oh, yeah. I <laughs> killed the parents. Oh, yeah. You might get a kick out of this too, father. Because, you know, <laughs> this other guy, this other priest, he became a fucking pussy. And he started fucking crying outside. And then I heard the other father say that parents just died. And I was like, yeah, that's right. So I'm going to go kill somebody else's fucking parents. Because that's just what parents do. They fucking die. So <laughs> it's it's just so ridiculous Like, the way that this character gets to have this much fun, and even in there, even when he's getting killed, like, he doesn't really have to do much else other than he's like, well, I'm not gonna say shit, so you might as well just fucking kill me, and he doesn't freak out too much that he's being fucking strangled by a fucking dinosaur hand with the priest, like, looking at him through the damn thing. So, Frankie the Mermaid is now dead, of course... You know, Doug, he's freaking out again, and where's the one place that he can go to? He can go and see Carol, and he begins to rationalize the power that he has while talking with her about what they're going to do next. Yeah. If we're going to do this. How?
2: How are we going to do this?
3: Um,
4: uh, we'll make a plan. Plan? Yeah. Create rules.
2: Rules, rules, right? Like uh, like commandments, right? Things to live by. Oh uh, yeah, I guess. Okay, I can still practice, right? I mean, I I could still be a priest, right? Yeah, I think. Okay, okay. We're the only ones that can know about this. Father Stewart can't know.
4: Sure. Who is Father Stewart? This is just
2: a good thing. A good thing. We're gonna we're gonna help people. I mean, do real good, right? Right.
3: Right. 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 Now, I I don't know much about God.
2: I don't know much about dinosaurs. My parents, they were murdered not too long ago. I killed the man that killed them. Today.
4: How did it feel?
2: It felt good. I know the world is a better place with people like Frankie Mermaid off the streets.
4: What? You killed Frankie? The Frankie Mermaid? I didn't
2: mean to. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to kill him. I I was just so angry and he just kept bragging. (sighs) Thank Thank
3: you. you. Thank you.
1: You'll only hurt bad people.
4: Only the worst.
1: Okay, so he's totally rationalized the whole thing out because if he only hurts bad people, then nothing else can really happen, right? He can go out there, he can kill whatever he wants to kill, and God probably wants the bad people to be put down, be put away, and (laughs) that's the way it's going to work. And then, you know, who knew there was the connection between Frankie the Mermaid and the fucking, you know, the prostitute that was there and fucking Doug? So he managed to kill two birds with one stone, one getting rid of Frankie for Carol and avenging his parents at the same time. I also love the line that she does, but I don't know a whole thing about Jesus and like God. And he's like, I don't know a lot about dinosaurs. Like it's fucking ridiculous. And it's fucking fantastic at the same time. Like I want to tattoo that somewhere. Like no, maybe not tattoo it on me somewhere, but I want it somewhere written down and like plastered somewhere. I want to make a giant fucking frame, stick it on my wall. It says, I don't know much about God. Well, I don't know much about dinosaurs. (laughs) I fucking love it. So now we get the training montage. He goes out there and he starts working out. And we get the whole, like, you know, break it to the limit. But it's a different type of music. It's more like punk music. And might I say that the soundtrack for this movie is fucking excellent. It's very low-key. It's very indie, like indie punk, indie rock, and like, you know, a couple orchestrated pieces, but it's fantastic. I really love what, like, the little sections and stories that they tell when they actually use, like, more lyricized music and band music rather than just, you know, background orchestrated music. It sounds great. And it really kind of gets you pumping. I love the theme that comes into the movie. I love the way it ends. Um, the only one that's kind of weird is uh, a scene that comes later on in the movie. But even that scene is like really weird in itself in the way that it's done and shot. And so what we really get is kind of the first montage Of him, like I said, working out, but also the first set of all of his killings. So whenever he's killing a bad guy, whenever he's, you know, fighting against somebody, he's getting to the weights. And then eventually you see there's that glimmer in his eye that he is like getting attracted to Carol. Like, Eventually, they're probably going to hook up at some point in the movie. Even though the very first time that you thought that it might have happened, it was all just you know a misunderstanding in the way that movie put everything. So uh, once that whole montage scene is done, he we well we get to be introduced to the true bad guy for the first time, and we also get to be introduced to his sidekick. Now again, this is another one once where. There is a lot of Cantonese or Mandarin that's going on in this scene, but there's a lot of response back from Sam, who happens to be the master's right-hand man.
4: It's hard to say, sir.
1: We've had rumors from the
4: underground of a fearsome dragon warrior. They say you can take on ten men at a time. That is the word of the people, Master Wei Cheng. Do not speak of my
0: christian
4: him here. Yes sir. I apologize. Well sir, we'll have another shipment of coke in tomorrow, prepared exactly as you ordered. i go just let the horses all go through. Ha 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 ha
1: so the laughing yes i understand it might be a little bit long kind of weird in the clip and you can kind of make out what maybe they're talking about and thing. basically he's kind of asking the way that everything's going is everything going okay and he says yeah there but there's the dragon warrior well you must make sure that you get rid of him Uh, and yeah, he'll make sure that he gets rid of the dragon Where That's pretty much the gist. Oh yeah, and then when are the drugs arriving? And then he says, like, the shipment of cocaine is going to be there relatively soon. And then there's the laughing scene. That's one of the main reasons why I want to do the clip. Because I honestly think that the guy that's playing the master, Wang, I think it is, like, he legitimately is laughing there like it was done so awkward because it seemed like the way that it was going was that he was meant to mimic him and so he did like a crazy little laugh and then the guy did like the normal laugh leading into the like the weird laugh and did it and it totally caught the other guy off guard and then the laughs that you had at the end were genuine uh because that sounds like some of the ways that i laugh sometimes when it's fucking genuine and it's on the pod but It's just kind of an interesting scene. They're all training the ninjas again. They're all speaking fucking Cantonese or Mandarin. And I just personally do not see ninjas as being fucking Chinese. And yet there's a lot of like religious theme things around there that you're kind of like, it's like St. Andrew's something or Augustine's or something like that. Like, you see there in the background. So, you know that there's something kind of weird, kind of odd going on with it. From here, we cut back over and we see that, uh, you know, Doug, he's back there. And he's studying his crime books. And it says, Crime too, Like, he's taking a fucking college course on it. He needs those extra credits. Because, unable to constantly turn into the Blossom Pastor, he needs to have like, 15 more credits of crime news or where the fuck he's taken. So, he's reading it. And in Up Walks, Father Stewart or also known as Father Your Parents Are Dead, and Doug goes to hide the book that he's reading with the Bible. Okay, if this was a manga, and or something small, to where you could hide in a King James Bible, I'd get it. But the other book is a good, like, five inches taller than the fucking Bible, and so it's sticking out there, and it's also about three times thicker than the Bible that he's reading, so... He's not going to be able to fucking hide that thing. Like, how ridiculous is this? It's so fucking stupid. But you know, the father, your parents are dead. Just like mm, whatever. And then you know, they had the conversation of what he can do and the fact that the one thing the father says here that really pisses me off. We're going to talk about it in just a second. Father Stewart. Hello, Douglas.
0: A reading, I see.
2: Yes. A time spent in silent servitude.
0: How are you? Worried, Doug. I'll be blunt. Your chronic absence worries me. You've hardly been eating at all. You haven't missed a Sunday in 16 years, and all of a sudden that girl shows up. That something. girl's name is Carol. She's very nice. Have you forgotten your vow of chastity? Of course not. Then as your mentor and your friend, I ask you, what the hell is going on? Father Stewart, what
2: if I told you that I was different?
0: You're not that different. There are plenty of men like that in the church. No. I mean, really different. (laughs) That's
2: impossible. Nothing is impossible where the Lord is concerned. Leviticus 24, 24. Doug,
0: if you really think there's something inside of you can make you change like this, then the church is very clear on the procedure for exorcism. I don't need an exorcism. You're hallucinating that you're killing people. And thine enemies
2: shall be vanquished with righteous and God. swift justice. Matthew 32, 6. I can rid the world of this scum
0: with my bare hands. Don't you see, Father Stewart? I might be on a mission from God himself. That's insane, Doug. God does not want people dead.
2: Oh, I think God wants a lot of people dead.
0: I'll contact the diocese as soon as possible. We need to rid you of this carol and this delusion. It's
2: not like that. She's a good
0: person. What does she do for work? The uh, job of the sinner is... It's obvious this isn't about her anyway. Do not leave this room
1: until further notice. But... Father Stewart! Okay, so the Lord may work in mysterious ways to father your parents are dead, but it's not as mysterious as letting a guy turn into a fucking dinosaur to punish them evil. Because God doesn't want people dead, but yet he let his parents fucking die. If he didn't want people dead, then why would people fucking die? Like, why would it work in mysterious ways? I know, maybe I'm overreaching here, but at the same time, it's just like... Why wouldn't you accept it? Like, he's like, dude, I am punishing the wicked. I am doing the Lord's fucking work. Like, the evil people are going to hell where they fucking belong. And he's like, yeah, but he doesn't want them dead. He wants them punished, not fucking dead. So what is the punishment? Like, you're not giving them the time to go into confession and confess that they've killed a shit ton of people. And then all of a sudden, God's like, cool, he said he's okay, so he doesn't need to go anywhere. He's fine. Like, you would think that God would be like, fuck, this is a loophole I wish I had closed because I meant for confession to only be about, you know, like, masturbating to a picture of your next-door neighbor that you took through the window, not going through and fucking murdering little Timmy because he stole your lollipop. Like, I wasn't going to forgive that shit, and that's just the way that you guys have done it because they're the word of fucking God on the planet, and so they said it was okay. Like, you know, he's like, I fucked up. I can't believe I fucked up. So who knows what God really wants. And he's just like, look, I don't believe this. This is not happening. I need time to think. Then he locks him in the fucking room, tells him, you're not going fucking anywhere. If I was fucking Doug, get all fucking roid-raged up, turn to the fucking Velocipastor and break the fucking doors down and get the fuck out of there. Why do you need to be there, man? You got dinosaur fucking powers. Don't listen to them. Like, don't do father says, you know, your parents are dead bidding. Just fucking hightail it out of there. So he leaves fucking, you know, Carol hanging to dry. She's been waiting for him all night to come up. Because basically, that's her new pimp is the Velocipaster, just in a different way. And he starts to reflect on, you know, how he had parents once. And we get a little bit of backstory for Doug. I had
2: parents once, what would my parents say?
1: we're happy
4: with your life's decisions
0: i'm so proud of you though you're my only son Becoming a priest is a big decision, son. Do you really think it's for you? I think I can do good,
2: Dad. The most good possible. I can help people and become a servant of God. The way we're meant to be.
0: It's a big decision. All I want you to do is remember this. If you ever find yourself lost in the woods, you can't hear his voice, just follow your heart. Your heart will always lead you back home. Why don't you hop on out? Your mom and I will take a drive. We'll pick you up after priest college. Thanks, Dad.
1: What the hell is priest college? (laughs) Like, it's obvious they just wrote some stuff in there to be like, oh, this is the way it's going. And he's having these lovely memories of his dad and his mom, them laughing at the table together after something. And then, you know, he's like, I'm going to be a priest. We're so proud of you. You're our only son. And that just seems... Really weird, you know? Like, even when I was watching the first time, and I know what comes of it, and you'll know what comes of it soon, but when I was watching, I was like, just odd to have this, like, little scene. I get it, like, he's remembering back, and he's going through, yeah, when I went to priest college. Isn't that called, like, seminary or some shit like that? I don't fucking know. Like, I'm not hip to that stuff. I've never tried to be a priest. I'm too much full of myself to go that way. So, it's like... Okay, I get it. You're 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 having these memories of, uh, I believe I said memorizing the first time, but you're having these memories of your parents and everything's like nice and great. And then you come like back down to earth and the priest, you know, father, you know, your parents are dead over here is now going to take you to meet Altair. Uh, And who is Altair? Well, Altair happens to be an exorcist because the father believes that, you know, Doug is just struck by a demon, and the only way to get the demon out is to have an exorcism. Now, I won't say this right away, and it's going to be hard for a lot of people, because a lot of people aren't going to recognize who this person is who plays Altair, but I recognized him right from the credits when I saw his name pop up. And uh, let's meet Altair for the first time, and then we can kind of talk about this musician when we get back.
0: Much as it pains me to do so, Doug, I'm too worried about you to sit in my hands any longer. Decided to skip the bureaucracy and take matters into other hands. Where are we? Somewhere the church forgot. Oh, uh, Stuart, I think we're making a big mistake. Sometimes we need evil to fight evil, Doug. But that's what I just said. This is different. <laughs> Stuart, it's been years. Not enough, perhaps. You must be Doug. Father Jones. Ah. <laughs> there are no fathers in here, kid. <laughs> Altair is a practicing exorcist, though his methods are sometimes suspect. Doug,
3: what the church can tell us only extends so far. We must look abroad if we are to find the truth. ...that is hidden within the truth. But fear not, for our inner eye will be our guide through this darkness. Now, I understand you're being stalked by some kind of specter. Tell me about that. and Start from the beginning.
2: Well, it all happened after my parents were murdered.
1: Okay, so, for those who don't know, that is Aurelio Hernandez... Who also is known as Voltaire. If you don't know who Voltaire is, it's probably okay. (laughs) You don't really need to know exactly who he is, but he's basically, he's a Cuban-born American musician, right? And he's really, like, over the top. Like, if you were into a lot of gothic music um, in the 90s, you would totally understand who Voltaire is. Like, this is like gothic music, industrial music mecca right here. But it's really kind of weird stuff, right? And the only reason that I know of him is because my wife used to be a really big fan of his until he got really weird. And so it was just like, I saw his name in the credits and I'm like, holy crap, is that the Voltaire? And she's like, I don't know. And then she went to bed before he popped up. And then I was like, yep, that's Voltaire. And he's playing, of course, a weirdo. Uh, (laughs) Look, I really like the early stuff, too. Like, I've never been, like, the biggest fan in the world, but the stuff that my wife played for me uh, when it popped up or when it popped up randomly on a radio station, like, uh, you know, a Pandora that she was listening to, or when I used to listen a lot to Spotify radio and, and a new song of his would pop up because I was listening to like Danny Elfman and he's kind of the earlier stuff kind of is in that type of camp, at least that type of sound. Um, or like the, uh, psychobilly like it pops up with that, uh, type of music. Right. So it's just, it's interesting. And, uh, here he is and he's okay, but he's trying to perform an exorcism and, While he's getting, like, the information from Doug and kind of getting ready for everything, we get a really random flashback. And this is probably the part of the movie that I don't like at all. Like, you could take this. This is obviously padding. Okay, there is one scene that I like, which is what I'm going to play for you. But for the most part, I feel like this is just a lot of fucking padding because we needed to add 10 minutes to the movie. And what do we do? Oh, we should go back and we should show the father here in his days in Vietnam before he went back to the priesthood or like basically showing that, hey, he went away from it and then he came back as well. Or he tried for the priesthood when he failed in Vietnam or or what else happened while he was over there. And we meet Ali, who I thought, because he goes... I've had to use Altair before. And then he goes into the Vietnam, like Vietnam section here, and it really has no fucking connection to anything that's going on in the fucking movie at all. Like, there is no reason why this scene should even fucking exist. Like, going and saying, I've had to use him before, going to fucking Vietnam, what did you fucking use him for? Because you never fucking talk about it. And even then, when you come back to the fucking movie, you just, like, you get cut off. And it's fucking ridiculous and fucking stupid. Like, this this almost ruined most of the movie for me. But luckily, the movie got me back relatively quick once this whole section was done. But I was like, why? Why do we need it? It just doesn't make any sense. I really thought, because of everything that happens here, again, like I said, that this was related to Altair when it's not. See, he talks about his time being in Vietnam when he met a guy named Ali. And Ali is there talking to him. Of course, they're walking through the same fucking forest that I think I've seen for the third fucking time in this movie. Man, I've been in China, Vietnam, and fucking wherever this thing is taking place, all within a matter of fucking, like, 30, 40 minutes of this movie. Like, I am there, and I'm in the same fucking place that I am every fucking time. But nonetheless, he's out there... And they're talking and they're talking about how things could be. Oh, yeah, you got something back home. And he shows a picture of his woman. And it's, it's not very cute. But the guy's man, she's a fucking babe. And I'm like, really? She looks like closer to his age. But and what makes me feel bad, I have a feeling that because this is Max Deer, I have a feeling that's his father and the picture is his mother. Uh, and then his mother is actually in the film as well. Um, And I could be totally wrong, and if I'm right, uh, I apologize right away, and if I'm not, um, yeah, I just, it was just awkward to be like, yeah, she's a babe, and I'm like, nah, she's not really, Uh, at least for this time, like, you know, she's older, okay, maybe when she was younger, like, she would have been a babe, but... Here looks like as old as he is when we're supposedly in the future where here he just looks like he's wearing a bond like a blonde wig or he'd had his hair dyed blonde for one day, but nonetheless. So he's there, he's talking with the guy, and of course, just like every fucking Vietnam War movie, he gets shot and fucking killed. And then we cut over and we see that, you know, father, your parents are going to die here. They're basically, you know, he's writing a letter to saying to Ollie, dear all these parents, it's with my, you know, thing that your father or your kid's dead. And, and the other thing that I was going to get, like, not gonna, but did get me, he's like, yeah, I want to have a like, large family and have like 11 kids. 11 fucking kids? Jesus fucking Christ. Like, why do you want so many fucking kids? That doesn't make any sense. I know people with two and wish they had less than that. You know, people that are barely having one, they're just like, oh, this is just way too fucking much for me. 11 kids like that's basically popping one out every two years or every year or every nine months. Hey, she's finally healed and ready to go. Let's plug another one into her and make sure that she can have next one because we want to make sure that we have our own fucking offensive line as well as wide receiver set quarterbacks and everything, Uh, you know, just need maybe one more person to have a substitute every now and then. But it's just so ridiculous. So, you know, he's sitting there. He's writing a the letter. Then all of a sudden, out of the middle of fucking nowhere, somebody shows up and then uh, doesn't have a good day.
0: James. Adeline? Adeline! Adeline!
4: James!
0: Adeline! James! Adeline! Adeline! goddamn v c trip mine
4: I don't think we can do anything for her now. she's too far gone. What do you think she was doing in the forest? I don't know maybe she was trying to start a family.
1: <laughs> it's that so ridiculous too <laughs> like I said, as useless as I find the scene uh I do think that's fucking hilarious. Like the way that it finishes up that one, I knew that she was going to explode. I was waiting for it to happen, trying to figure out when exactly it was going to be. But I knew that, you know, eventually she was going to die because that's just the way the movie's going to go. But it's the line like, what was she doing in the forest? I don't know. Maybe she was trying to start a family. (laughs) And so he comes back to the States and that's when he decided to join the priesthood. And then he was, looks like he was going to talk some more. And then it was like, oh, we're ready to go with the whole exorcism of fucking, you know, Doug over here. So what was the point? Like, why did you call on uh, like Altair over here? Like that was Ali. And I really thought it was Altair because even I put in the notes, I'm like, how is he fucking alive? It doesn't make any sense. And then I realized, oh, they're two fucking different people. But you said this wasn't the first time that I had to call an altair. And then all of a sudden you went into the story about being in Vietnam and some other dude dying. So did you bring this guy back from the dead because your wife fucking exploded? She somehow got into fucking Vietnam and died in Vietnam? Like, how did she get there? What did she do? Did she just randomly show She was just... On a fucking trip, you know what? I decided that I was going to take a cruise to Vietnam during the Vietnam War because prices are really cheap, and then I was going to sneak past Charlie's lines to make sure I found out exactly where you are so that I could blow myself up on a fucking trip mine. Like, give me some reason why she's there. Like, she came on the airplane to come take you home. You know? I I don't know. It just it seems like it's out of place and it's completely filler and, you know, it's a way for both if if they were his folks, both his mom and his dad to be in the film and it's relatively funny with the look on the dad's face or or the priest's face uh, when the wife does blow up. So, so we're back over here now. We're in Altair's room and we're going to hear a little bit about the exorcism of Father Doug.
3: There may be some discomfort during the ceremony, but that is entirely within the realm of reason. Do not hesitate to speak out, to call out if you feel something, if you feel anything extraordinary. Okay, thank you. Oh, don't thank me. <laughs> not yet. Le cure, le cure, Pier Tomurfeo. Susie, Susie de la Bazia, Siele Bazia, Susie Bazia. Are
0: you feeling anything?
3: Alescupe, your Christian war anxiety. Quite normal, anything else? Alescupe de Petsio Adamo, Adamo, Adam, yes feels a little hot in here. Yes, yes, all, all normal. Feel, feel deeper. Feel what's deep inside of you, Doug? Is it monsters? Is it, is it demons, or, or something of the like? These are our subjects now.
2: Feel empty, as if there's so much I can do, but no way to do it. Empty. No.
3: No, that's not the right word. I feel... Oh, I feel... I feel... I feel... I I feel...
0: Stop! Stop the seance! Doug,
1: are you okay? Doug! Doug! So, of course, the seance doesn't go the way that it was planned to go, and Doug starts to transform right away, and then he attacks the poor father and basically thinks that he kills him, and he runs out of the room. Voltaire is left there shocked, and he's like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have done this. And that's the last that we see of Voltaire, and maybe the father. So he goes running off, and he basically, as he's running away and he's somewhat transformed, we run into some ninjas that are just happen to be out there and discussing random ninja strategy. Like, it's so weird. Like, the whole setup with that scene, with him and them trying to exercise the demons, of course everything's gonna go wrong. Like, I don't understand why... They thought that, you know, the moment that he started, like, feeling whatever, he's like, I'm feeling hungry. And he said that before, and he went and he killed somebody. And that's just an easy way for him to basically satiate himself. And he can basically say to those guys that, look... I have a hunger for human flesh and for blood. And right now, I'm fucking killing bad guys. And those are the people that I'm eating. Now you've got me stuck in this room. You're trying this fucking seance bullshit. And guess what? I'm going to end up eating fucking you instead of everybody else. And that's just the way that it's going to be. And instead, he just turns on everybody and he attacks the father and he runs the fuck out of there. And while he's almost changed, like I said, he runs into the ninjas that are out looking for him because they want to kill him. And of course... There's a little bit of, uh, supposed to be comedy, but it's one of those scenes where it's not the greatest in the world.
2: Crikey, it's the Dragon Warrior. All right, here's the plan. We're going to use Master Wei Chang's famous arc method of attack. As I'm sure you two remember, it's a three-pronged spring forward from all sides at once. I think that'll overwhelm and confuse him. Wait, let me write this down. Okay, Jenny, you head left, down the side. I'm going to use my famous board. <laughs> You don't get to go shit. Choi Min is going to spring to the tree then. I'm pretty sure dinosaurs can't look out. Jenny, you got that? Good. Choi Min? Good. Always was in. This is what I like about you, Choi Min. Okay boys. No one lives forever.
1: Okay, so there's a couple of things going on here, and some of it is funny. Still, it's just like I feel like it's random to be random, and it doesn't necessarily make it that funny. But the first thing that's going on is the lead ninja. I guess it, ninjas can be from anywhere. They can be Chinese, they can be Australian, but they're primarily Japanese. And it just happens to have a, he happens to have a Chinese name, but Crocky. There's the dino. What is this? For? fucking Steve Irwin coming down here now? He came back to life just so that he could hunt the fucking Velocipastor? You know, next thing he's gonna be doing is asking how his pie is. He's gonna go there and be like, hey, how's your pie? And and (laughs) he's gonna play fucking knifey spoonies with him as well, and figure out what's not a knife, and that happens to actually be a fucking dinosaur claw that's gonna rip his throat open, but (laughs) it's just so... It hits you the right fucking way when it starts. And then... The ninja that has a Chinese name internally speaks fucking Japanese. And he's thinking about his, like, love. Who he's like, I shouldn't be out here. She said this is the way that I was going to die. So he knows he's going to fucking die. And he doesn't fucking run away. Instead, he still goes out there and tries to fucking attack the fucking velocipaster out here. And, hey, guess what? It doesn't work. He manages to kill everybody. And all, you know, laughs are had by all. But he ends up being... You know, going over to the only place that he knows that he could hide in, and then happens to be in Carol's place. And when he gets there, he hides. He doesn't really need to hide. All he needs to go is in her fucking room and be done with it. But he hides in a bunch of fucking newspapers over there. Like that's going to protect him. She walks in and he throws these newspapers off and she just has them randomly laying over there. Or decides that, hey, every once in a while I want a bum to stay in my apartment and he needs to feel like he's at home. So we're just going to have a bunch of random fucking comics on the ground that nobody fucking reads anymore because the newspaper is just fucking dead. So... They have a moment, and that's when we find that they're both in love with each other.
2: Doug! I was attacked. I was attacked on the way over here. Oh, God, I think think I'm still bleeding. I think I'm still bleeding.
4: Where have you been? been Father Stewart.
2: Father Stewart. He tried to exorcise me. I think I killed him, Carol. Oh,
3: my God, I'm
2: so sorry. I don't want to hurt people. I was put here to do good. I was put here to help people. You're not
4: gonna hurt. How do you know? How do you know
2: I'm not gonna hurt people?
4: I know here. There's no monsters in here. I
2: promise. I
1: think I'm still bleeding. That's great at the end there too. I didn't really catch it the very first or even the second time that I listened to that clip, but he says the it's okay. Like, it's ridiculous. You can go back and really quick and rewind back like, you know, 15 seconds. You could hear it again. But it's so ridiculous that all of a sudden now they're just in love with each other because he's on the run. You know, he tried to get exercised. He possibly killed his father, you know, friend, not in that way, but, you know, priest friend and he's just been attacked by ninjas and he managed to survive and now they're gonna have to go after them again at some point or somewhere and the only place to hide is with carol and they finally realize that they're both into each other and then we have like the sex scene so there's nothing that really goes on the movie is not going to show any nudity the movie is basically gonna have both of them in, in their underwear they're gonna be in like positions and then This is what I was talking about, like, the weirdest shot scene in the movie. The music is a little weird, but it's shot weird because it's not just, like, scenes of them getting ready or boning or whatever it is, right? It's not like we're going to the bone zone and we're going to show the whole bone zoning going on, even under the covers and have them like pants and stuff. No, they show like clips from the movie, from the beginning of the fucking movie. In fact, they show the screen where it says fucking China. <laughs> like, like they show the end of that little clip It fucking And it made me laugh out loud so much when I saw it. Like, it was so ridiculous. Like, we need to fill this montage with shit, and I don't know what to fill with. Okay, how about we take the China scene and just stick it in the goddamn movie? What? What? What did they do? Why? Why would you do this type of thing? Other than just to be funny and just get the movie done. And I fucking applaud you if that's the way that you fucking did it. It's fucking fantastic. So you have the sex scene and you have them wake up in the morning and the really random thing and the music. This is probably my least favorite of the music in the whole film, but it's still pretty good. Uh, And so they wake up in the morning. Well, he wakes up first. He sees that she's laying next to him. And then all of a sudden, ninjas attack him inside of the room. And they do manage to subdue all of the ninjas. Both Carol and, you know, Doug over here, they manage to actually stop all of them. And it takes them, uh, you know, they pick up one of them. And they basically ask him what's going on. He's like, you have to remember your faith. And that's when they see a cross lying on the floor. And they look at each other and they're like, well, where do we need to go? So from here, oh, the thing is before... They they do this whole thing. We do cut back over, and I want to go really fast. We do have to step back for a second. And we have to find out that father, the priest, you know, the one that says that the parents are dead. He's actually alive, but now he's got... He has a patch over his eye. And it's not that it's a patch over his eye. Okay, so his eye got ripped out by the Velocipastor. Okay, great. You have a... It's the fact that he's still wearing his glasses over under the patch. The patch is over the top, and it's in a way that he can't cover it all the way. So you still see his eye fucking blink constantly, and then there are shots where it's like a little off to the side, a little bit higher than it needs to be, a little lower than it needs to be. It's so ridiculous, but so goddamn funny. So now we see that the big bad guy here, he's there and he's talking with the father, you know, and he's telling him where he's at. And he's like, you know, there's a lot of dialogue that goes on. And the first part of this, I didn't want to play because it's primarily just the master talking, saying that he's there at this place, you know, and that it's a it's a very Christian centered place is what you find out. And that everybody there is trying to train not only in the martial arts, but also to be closer to God at the same time. And that's when we see the the one laughing guy, the white guy, uh, who is the white guy ninja, uh, also named Sam. We're going to find out the significance of that in a second. But he's there, and the three of them begin talking, and they explain exactly what the plan is because they're basically trying to get a bunch of cocaine And they don't know why they're going to be dealing in drugs. Like, what do drugs and Christianity have to do with each other? And that gets explained here. And well, again, I'll talk a little more about it after because you're going to hear a lot of the dialogue in Cantonese. The spider's kiss
4: blend.
0: I don't understand. What does drug smuggling have to do with Christianity?
4: Everything <laughs> 一放入紐約, Manifest
2: destiny,
4: that's what we're doing, here, father, Stewart.
0: You can't do this. The Christian faith is what I believe with all my heart, but you cannot forcibly convert the unwilling. That's madness. Huh. That's inhuman.
2: Oh Dingan eyes, to Doug
0: will stop you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay, so now the gist of the scene that you've got going on here is that they have a bunch of cocaine, and the cocaine has been made to the specifications that the master wants it to be. And what he's basically going to do is he's blended it in a way so it's super addictive. So he's going to give it to the masses, and those out there that want to have this cocaine, you know, they're going to get easy access to it, get super addicted to it, and then he's going to shut off supply completely because they control the supply. And when they do that, there's only one place that they're going to be able to go to next, which is going to be all of the like self-help groups in churches around the world, right? And since they have to go to these self-help groups, then that's how Christianity is going to spread. So basically, they're going to make everybody addicted to Super Coke... (laughs) And then they're going to rehab them and make them believe in Christ because every time somebody goes to rehab, I'd say nine times out of ten, it's always religion based and they cling on to the religion to get past their addiction to the drug. And that's what they're hoping for. They're hoping that super cocaine is going to convert a bunch of people to Christianity. So that's the plan. And it's so fucking ridiculous. But it's so fucking smart at the same time. Like, part of me, like, wants to do that. So that's the way that I can become the master fucking podcaster. Super fucking cocaine. Like, once again, super cocaine solves the world's problems. Get you guys addicted to it. And the only way that you guys can get help and get free is by listening to the Terrible Terror podcast. So look out for Terrible Terrible Coke. (laughs) god that's like one of the uh shower thoughts i had heard the other day what if the coke energy is just coke with the cocaine put back into it think about it for a second but nonetheless so uh yeah and and of course father your parents are dead he doesn't want that to like happen he realizes that maybe he did something wrong with doug and that there's just no way that you know, Christianity should be viewed in this light. So he believes that Doug is going to come to save the day and he gets killed. So he's brought back to life. Okay, Doug supposedly kills him, but he doesn't. I guess maybe Altera is working with these guys because how else would he have shown up in their camp if Altera wasn't part of the bad guys over here? But he ends up there so he like kind of dies to not die to only to fucking die so just fucking kill him like or just capture him before why would you have to have him go through all that fucking bullshit only to die later so after this that's when they get attacked by the ninjas in the morning after all the sex and everything like that and so they manage to actually get where these guys are going again uh, some random forest somewhere. Well, actually, this is, it looks more like a training ground, so it's not like fucking China or Vietnam or just the random park, even though it is, like, part of the park. Uh, it's It's, it's got to be an estate somewhere in the same park. And so they're ready to, to go, and they walk up upon all the ninjas ready to fight, and that's where we learn exactly who Sam actually is, and it's a little bit of a twist in the movie. Still don't recognize me. Do you, Doug?
2: Wait. That voice. Remember me now? Brother! Sam.
0: You're my only son.
2: Thanks, Dad.
0: You're my only son. You're my only son. You're my only son.
2: No. It's impossible. You're not the only one who answered the call of God. Brother. Sam. It's not too late. Don't do this.
0: (laughs) You're blind, Fank. You've always been
4: blind. I will not stain the sword of my ancestors
1: with your blood! For God! Ah! So then they start fighting. So the big reveal is that Sam is Doug's brother, and they do it. <laughs> They know that this is some deus ex machina bullshit that's going on here. And that's why they did that scene when you saw the parents. And one of the reasons why I played it for you guys at the same time, like so ridiculous as well, because all of a sudden it like, there's a little bit left of the scene and it shifts the camera to the right. There's Sam. Or it's, us on them a little longer in the car after Doug gets out to go to fucking priest college. And there's Sam popping out the back. Like they totally ignored him. So the, the thought is that Sam actually ordered the death of his parents. That's where you're supposed to make it, somewhat of a correlation. But I don't know. I, I really feel like maybe that wasn't it, but it had to have been. Or it was the master doing it without Sam knowing, and then his parents died. Maybe he blamed his brother. But they never really get in that either. But he does take his sword out, like throws it in the ground. I'm not going to steam it with the blood of your ancestors. Does some weird, like, Christ, like, ninja bullshit <laughs> Like ninja things with his hands. And then Carol, who's now all like black martial arted out, like takes off her jacket and gets ready to fight the ninjas as well as Doug and Sam go mano y mano. So it's ridiculous, like I said. And really, this is a scene that you feel like you have to see. Because it's ridiculous at the same time, I think the way that it's played out is really funny. So they fight, they seem like they're about even, and then all of a sudden Sam thinks that he's going to have the last laugh, but it's Doug who gets the upper hand.
0: You were always laughing, Doug. What was so funny? What was so funny? You and Pop playing ball in the yard?
4: Well, you're not going to be laughing anymore. I'm going to be the one laughing when I kill you!
2: Your ancestors are my ancestors.
1: So Doug manages to get the sword with some type of fucking Jedi mind powers. I don't get it. (laughs) There's so much random shit that happens at the end of this movie that I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? First Carol becomes a fucking badass and can beat the shit out of any of the fucking ninjas that are out there. And she manages to kill two off and then when like the last one is coming for her, this bigger one comes out and fights her and then... something happens in just a second but also he has like Jedi force powers to bring the fucking sword over to him because he can also answer the call of the ancestors but the sword was his mom and dad fucking ninjas too like Why all of a sudden is this sword so fucking special? Like there had to have been something in their past not fucking explained. Never going to be fucking explained to anybody because that's just where we are at. In the last 15 minutes of the fucking movie, actually 20 minutes of the fucking movie, where we get the gloriousness, the gloriousness that's going to be coming up next. (laughs) And what ultimately saves the rest of the movie and makes it so entertaining for me. But of course we have to talk about the sadness first. And that is the fact that even though Carol beats back two of the guys, the big guy comes after her, and then Carol herself is struck down.
4: Carol! 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 Carol!
2: Carol! Carol!
4: Carol! Oh, oh. he's still leaving.
2: No, no. But what am I going to do? I need you. Listen I love you, Cal.
4: No, you're better than them. It's not because of you oh. powers and her
2: husband. I'm just one man.
4: A good man. With a good heart. That's all that's ever loving. That's all that's ever changed. Oh. Oh. Anything. No matter what happens today.
2: What if I can't win? You will.
4: Of course you will. Just have a little...
2: Carol! Carol!
1: So Carol has now officially bitten the bucket, and honestly, she could have totally been alive had she just learned to fucking dodge. Like, the guy's coming at her, and he's about to slice down. All she has to do is step a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right, make a roll maybe, and she would have been alive, but nope. Let's just fucking stand here while he slashes diagonal and slashes me across the chest, therefore fucking killing me. And then you get the whole speech of, it was never your No, it totally is your fucking powers. Because you think that you could have survived all those fucking bullet shots with the guy at the beginning if you weren't a fucking dinosaur? And you think you could have survived the attack inside of the fucking forest before you got to Carol's place if you weren't a fucking dinosaur and you got slashed on the side? You would have been fucking dead, Okay. Yeah, great, pure heart, wonderful. It just means that you have the will and determination to still beat them. But you still need the fucking strength. Because you're going to need the fucking strength to finish everybody off here. And you're going to go through the glorious transformation. And you're finally going to see the best thing in this whole fucking movie. Yes! <laughs> it's the fucking Velocipastor. Fully transformed. Fully and it is fan fucking tastic. This is what I fucking live for. It is (laughs) It's just like it's like sheets over a guy with a shitty swear hat. It's so bad. It's so great. It is terrible. I'm still laughing thinking about it, cause the head has no controls. It just fucking flops all over. And I'm surprised that one of the takes it didn't like go behind him and flop upside down and his head bumped out of it or something. And he's got the rubber dinosaur hands that he's had for the whole fucking movie. And I think he has dinosaur feet, but I think that they're, they're not really showing anything down there, so I can't confirm that there's dinosaur feet down there. There's the tail, and the tail looks like it belongs, but the rest of it just looks like a fucking sheet. It's so terrible. And it's great, too, because when Carol dies, she you know like the bad guys the ninjas they all start crying and stuff like that and then when he changes he says something and then there's like a long pause and one of the guys looking at his watch waiting for him to fucking finish his sentence and then all of a sudden he does finish it and then he turns into the dinosaur and they all start getting killed and you see body parts going over the place blood splashing everywhere and eventually the master does come out And it's fantastic. If you can find just that clip and you're not planning on watching the movie, watch that fucking clip. Because it makes me laugh so hard. And it's fucking great. I love it so much. Uh, But you see the master come out, shoots an arrow into the velocipaster, Which happens to be like the antidote or something. They figured out a way. He explains that, you know, in, in Cantonese that... You know, they figured out how to stop the dinosaur warriors or the dragon warriors, and it was with an antidote to make sure that they always stayed human, and, you know, they're the ones that have it, and he happens to be the last one. And he's on the ground, and he's holding his leg, and he's, you know, getting ready to die, and that's where you hear the last words from the Master, and probably one of the best uh, comebacks, at least for a portion of it, even though uh, it's really fucking cheesy at the same time.
4: Do so you have any last words? pasta imposter!
1: Only six.
2: I think my hand is immune. No!
1: And so you may have guessed it. He does rip the head off the master, uh, in the worst fucking thing. It's clearly like a mannequin head that has a little bit of entrails behind it. So there's a lot of blood being spurted out. That's basically like water that's being sprayed everywhere. Um, It's terrible, but it's so fucking good at the same time because he's got his little T-Rex hands pulling at the head and pulling it off and it being fantastic. And you think that it would just end right there, right? But no, we have to learn about the fate of Carol and what's possibly going on with her.
2: Carol's wounds are healing up faster
0: than we first thought. She's expected to make a full recovery.
2: Thank God.
0: In fact I think she's ready right now. Did you want to
2: see her? You bet I want. It. Carol Carol Carol! Are you okay?
4: I'm fine.
0: You're fine?
1: And just like it says on the screen, like she said at the end, it puts, she's fine over the screen in giant yellow letters, just like the title card and everything else. So she managed to survive. I don't get it. I don't know why she survived, how she survived, because she was basically dead in the scene. She's coughing up blood all over the place, giant scar on her chest, unless, of course, it wasn't that deep. And then, you know, they managed to rush to the hospital in time. I guess that's what happened. But nonetheless, Carol's alive everybody's happy he's got the one that he's in love with and then we're gonna see what happens for the very end of the scene where of course nobody won't stop they won't stop it won't stop everything won't stop and then we get the end theme and the movie has finished
0: you know the church won't stop with Wei Cheng's
2: death they were here they're gonna be somewhere else china europe all over the world i suppose now that i've officially resigned from the church i guess we'll have to sort things out all over the world it's a big job there's a billion dollar bounty on your head doc jones
3: what are you gonna do next
2: what I do best.
1: And so that was the Velocipastor. So it's really just a giant fucking mess, but it's a wonderful giant fucking mess. It made me laugh so hard so many times. It doesn't take itself seriously at all even though it plays some things in like a serious light in the way that the actors but the way that it's filmed it knows that you're not supposed to and it's giving you clues constantly that you are not supposed to be taking this serious and if you're really taking this serious then you've got a problem i read a lot of the reviews online like through imdb and the people that didn't get it in my opinion didn't get it and some of them that I totally understand the ones that are like, I understand that this is meant to be bad, but I don't know why people are liking it so much. Those guys I'm okay with, but the ones just like, man, what is with this and why do people like it so much? I don't get it. It's just the acting's bad and, and the VFX are bad. The fact that it's missing some effects in the beginning of the movie, it's all played for laughs, guys. Like, that's the way that I see it, and it's one of the reasons why I enjoyed this movie so much. Like, it lived up for me personally, and it may not be this way for you, and maybe you were expecting to be something totally different, but just from parts of the trailer to the way that it was done and the style that it was done, it lived up to every expectation that I had. It was a joyous occasion. I'm so glad that I got to see this movie. I'm so glad that, you know, Neil kept reminding me about this movie as well. It's just a fun time. It's really fucking stupid. It is, I mean, when I say fucking stupid, I mean it is dumb beyond fucking comparison. It just has things that are so out of place, so wild, but it's so self-aware that it makes me love it so much. Like, The next movie, I really hope it has some of that in here, but I'm afraid that after listening a couple of things that it doesn't. But I'm still not going to change the movie of what we're planning on doing, which we'll get to in a second. But this movie really exceeded what I wanted it to be. And from the moment in the beginning with the parents, like the way that they died and there wasn't the effects in there, from the dot lines of dialogue, from fucking Frankie the mermaid, all the way to to the fucking fight. It kept itself going. It knew what it was going to be and how to get to that stage and then it got there. And I just absolutely the only misstep I feel in the entire film as something like this was that sequence in Vietnam, but they needed filler to get to that running time of 70 minutes so that they're more than 60, maybe not being a short film but being a full film itself. Um, it's just, it's a lot of fun. I feel like everybody should be you know, watching this movie. Um, so gore factor, I'm going to give it a two out of five. It's not really that gory. It has some gory things, but it's so fake that you're just kind of like, uh, body parts are flying, but it's not really anything you're going to be like, oh man, that is really fucking disturbing or something. Oh, they did good effects on it. Cause it's all fucking terrible. And like even the blood that it spurts, it's so fucking watery. You might as well just call it fucking Kool-Aid instead of calling it fucking blood. Crap factor, it's a 5 out of 5. It is crappy. Everything about it, from the dialogue to the acting to the costumes, the special effects, everything, it is just terrible. But that gives me a 4 out of 5 in the fun factor because it's so self aware that it is that, that even though it's that bad, that crappy, it's the so bad, it is good to me. To me, this is so bad, it is so entertaining. That it knows that it's this bad and it's making no fucking qualms about it. So when I give it the final score of uh, it's a 4 out of 5 Vietnamese minds, that's why. That's why it's a 4 out of 5 for me because I laughed so hard. I still laughed. Even just listening to it here and remembering things or just talking about small scenes and it just blowing up in my mind. It's so good. It's definitely worth your time if you haven't seen it yet. That's why I suggest in the beginning, make sure that you watch it. Because there's a lot of stuff that, you know, I might be missing out on that's a little nuanced. And there are some inconsistencies with boom mics being shown and other things being in reflections. And uh, the, the doctor, when he comes into the room, like the, the little thing that he has on his head is like over his face and he has to push it up. I was so paying attention to other stuff that I didn't even notice that the first time. It's like little things like that that are so terrible, but they make the movie so much more enjoyable at the same time. So it's definitely worth your time. Go out and make sure you watch it while it's on Amazon Prime, or you go and check out the Velocipaster in any way that you can. Uh, go buy it to support the director, support the film. It's It's so much fun. I really enjoyed watching this film. So since we're going to continue on the Dino Train, and since we're going to continue on the independent type of Dino Train... There's a movie that I've been wanting to see that I've also been hearing a lot of people talk about. Unfortunately, um, not unfortunately, I'm not going to say unfortunately, because I'm still going to give my own opinion. But the Beyond the Void guys did do an episode on it already before, um, you know, I had already planned to do this. So I'm going to keep to it. I could have changed it and been like, oh, well, after hearing about it. And the way that Alex's reaction was to it, maybe it's not going to be my type of film. But you know what? Not everybody listens to that over here. And I really don't feel like I'm stepping on his toes because he, he's going to go through a lot of the trivia and stuff like that and just opinions. We're going to talk about the film in a whole, even though he does that too. Um, but like i don't know i want to say more in depth because i love fucking beyond the void and i love alex uh and especially um you know since his co-host there why why is she like the name totally flying out of my head right now Is his girlfriend um i really love the rapport they have together and it's a lot of fun and uh, i think you guys all deserve to go and listen to that podcast go check out beyond the void um if you don't already because i've I was on an episode. You can go listen to the episode that I was on. But because they already talked about it, people, maybe if they do listen to both, they can be like, oh, why are you doing it? Are you doing it based on them? No, I'd already planned this. Uh, And the movie that I was already planning for uh, is Tammy and the T-Rex, the gore cut. Now, when you listen to this trailer, it is going to be the original trailer. And just remember that the original one, they took out all the gore. And the gore cut is available on Shudder, where they added everything back in. And so, this trailer is not going to match what type of movie, hopefully, that it'll be.
2: Everything in Tammy's life is just great. But when you're young and in love, life can get very complicated, especially when it involves an insanely jealous creep.
4: That's my lady, all right?
3: Late night phone calls.
4: I want you to come over.
3: Yes! Sneaking around in your own house. Did you lock the door?
4: Don't worry.
2: Your boyfriend getting dumped in a wild animal park. And a crazy doctor.
3: Well, that's it.
2: Who turns out to be a
3: mad scientist. Uh, you see, and if you're going to make an omelet, you have to break a few eggs, right?
2: With an insane invention that only needs a brain.
0: But this Tyrannosaurus Rex just wants to be a party animal.
2: Even when you tell the truth, nobody believes it anymore.
3: It was a dinosaur. You know what? It's more than a machine with a brain. I mean, it's a machine with feelings. We are on the brink of something special. Ah! We are going to be immortalized.
4: Is that really you? Michael, what have they done to you? Oh, you poor thing. You gone crazy. Byron, I am not going crazy. This is just a little hard to explain. Just, that's my dinosaur. We found the dinosaur, Sheriff. It's in a truck, uh, being driven by your back guy uh, by your son. Byron? Uh, yes, sir. See a couple of folks back in the hospital. They say he stole it. Stole what? The dinosaur. Oh, jeez. That is
3: my saw so that you are threatening i made him and he is mine uh, what are we gonna do i will give you immortality.
0: not if
1: tammy has anything to say about it tammy and the t-rex That's right. I'm going to be watching Tammy and the T-Rex. And like I said, you can find it on Shudder right now. Uh, And if you have Showtime with Hulu, it's available on there. Or if you just have Showtime in general, you can watch it off of Showtime. They have the gore cut for both. Uh, Or you can go ahead and go and buy it. Vinegar Syndrome has it. uh, And you can purchase it directly from them. Or, you know, a lot of the streaming places, they're slowly but surely starting to get the version of the gore cut. And that's the one that I'm going to be looking at. Uh, Because, like I said, it was edited differently than it was originally shot. They didn't intend it to be this way. And it was released directly to video. So it's not something that everybody has seen, not everybody knows about. And one that I was, uh, you know, hyped to basically by the Do You Love Horror Group. And there's a lot of people that really like this version of the film. And we'll see what happens uh, when we watch it you know, for the next episode. Don't forget also that this coming week, a week from today, when the episode is being released, that you're going to get the bonus episode from Dave and the, uh, episode that he's going to do will be announced on the day that it's released. I kind of like keeping those bonus episodes as like a little bit of a, um, you know, a mystery in terms of what you're going to get, but good response to the last one. I hope you guys really enjoyed it. Uh, I know Dave enjoys making them, so make sure that you check them out. They're nice little fun bonus episodes for everybody. Also the contest. Okay. I released the last one. Little tired. I'm going to try to explain it easier than I can. I did on the little episode. Basically, what you need to do is that I named an actor in this movie. uh, And there's going to be an actor that's going to be in Dave's movie. He's going to name the same actor. You're going to tell me who the actor is by posting either on the Facebook page. Go to the Facebook page, the Triple Terror Facebook page. And say who the actor is. And if you know what the movie is that we're talking about, put the movie as well or go on to uh, Instagram and there will be a photo in the set of my photos that will be a place for you to put the winner or the, the you know, the name of the actor in and say who it is, right? So make sure that you're following both pages. You can also follow on Twitter. If you don't really want to do Instagram or Facebook, don't do a lot of those. You can also, you know, do a tweet uh, at, t- uh, you know, The Terrible Terror, a podcast, Twitter, T underscore, T underscore podcast, and get it there. So we're going to choose two winners, um, and it's going to be two winners from a combination of one of those areas, either from Facebook or Instagram, where I'm actually trying to get the followers for us, we can kind of build up there, uh, or it's going to be over on the Twitter if you do go to the Twitter. So with that being said... Make sure that you go out there and you do follow the podcast on those social media platforms. Dave will explain the uh, contest as well, hopefully on the end of his thing, or I'll tack it on one of the ways. Uh, And uh, make sure you check out the YouTube channel where I did that unbagging, I guess, of that horror bag I bought from Target. And let me know if you want to see more of those things. So with that being said, we will talk to you next time when we do Tammy and the T-Rex. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and uh, we'll see you then. Bye.